I think that as a Darius player, you should pretty much just wait and be like, like a bear, basically. You're not there to just mess with people, but they're they're eventually going to keep poking you, and one of these pokes, you're just going to swipe and just destroy them. And the second you find like one mistake, they can turn into a kill or like a pentakill. You go in and you do your thing. Darius is about finding those situations or finding those key mistakes, finding those openings, and really, really just cracking them open by yourself. He's a very opportunistic champion. Welcome to Challenger Insights, where we dive into the minds of the best League of Legends players to figure out how they think about the game. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I'm joined by Roku. Roku is a Grandmaster Darius one-trick. He's known for his extensive Darius guides on Mobifier and on YouTube. Roku, thank you so much for being here. Um, the pleasure is all yours. First off, how long have you been playing Darius? I've been playing Darius since Season 7, I believe. Like, I tried him a few times in Season 6, but I mostly started maining him on Season 7. Ever since Season 7, I've done nothing but play Darius, essentially. So, yeah. I have 3 million Master Points if you add up all of the points in my accounts, I think. Alright. So, what makes Darius different from other top laners? What kind of makes Darius different than other top laners is that, like, you're always, like, a factor. With other champions, you can get, like, counterpicked super hard. You can get really messed up by certain team compositions. But that, well, that is also true for Darius. I like that with him, you know, you're almost always a factor, right? You may be down for certain sections of the game, but you're never really out. And he's also one of the most, like, fun champions in the game because, you know, the fact that, like, you have this sort of power mode of, like, Noxie Might and you can just press R and kill people and then get it back again, it makes it such a fun little mechanic. Because, like, what's more fun to watch, like, an AV carry basically grinding someone out through, like, an extended fight? Or just Darius getting five stacks, flash Q, ult, 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 just, ugh. I love this champion. Awesome. So, what's kind of the mindset that you need in order to play Darius? I would say the mindset that you need to play Darius is, like, an overwhelming amount of patience. So, like, okay, there are kind of two modes that a Darius player should be able to go in and out of, like, really quickly. And a lot of Darius players only go into one of these modes and never, you know, leave them, which leads to the stereotype that Darius players are brain damaged. So, like, so like um, there's the one mode where it's, like, the kill mode, which is basically, like, the mode you go into the second you activate your Noximite and it's the time to fight, right? Like, the time of thinking is over, right? Like, you kind of do all your thinking beforehand, all the waiting beforehand, and the second it's time to fight... You give into your instincts and the things you've already learned so you can react ASAP and just fight to your best sort of ability. Unfortunately, most Darius players only to remain in this mode. They're always about fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And that is not what Darius is about. Darius is more about waiting, right? It's about being patient. It's about trying to observe the right sort of circumstance because Darius isn't a consistent champion. He's a situational champion. Like his damage is situational. His effectiveness is situational, and the situation is more and less common versus certain teams and matchups, but the situations are still there no matter what. And forcing these sort of circumstances on Darius constantly is a very good way of just entering away the game. I think that, or I know that, as a Darius player, you should pretty much just wait and be like, like a bear, basically. You're not there to just mess with people, but they're they're eventually going to keep poking you, and one of these pokes, you're just going to swipe and just destroy them. You're about to wait. You're you're supposed to wait there, 
and try to count the mistakes of the enemy team. And the second you find like one mistake they can turn into a kill or like a pentakill, you go in and you do your thing. You switch to the other mode, boom, and then you start your thing. Most Darius players only remain in the other mode, but like this patience thing is such an important factor. And also it's like remaining in a sort of calm mind state really helps with macro vision control and it helps you not flame your team and just get tilted. So yeah, patience and calmness is a very important mindset for Darius. It's just about switching between the two. You're in the middle of a fight, you know, the time for thinking is over. You don't have the time to sit there and think, hey, you know, how many autotechs does this guy take before he dies? It's about doing and not thinking. But League of Legends is a thinking game, fundamentally. So you have to do the thinking at some point. So yeah. Okay. You say that his damage is situational. What do you mean by that exactly? So it's like, think a mage, right? Mages have probably one of the most consistent damage in the game. Because like, a mage is gonna, like, just by farming, you get a f two, three items, and you can start one-shotting people with your abilities. So it's, it's not situational that you do damage. You just do damage. Like an AD carry at six items. It's not situational that you do damage. You just do damage, right? These things are made to do damage, and they're going to do damage no matter what. With Darius, it's like the situation that he does his damage in is Noxie might or him getting an ult reset. And this can only happen at some point, right? You're not going to be able to do this all the time. Unless you're so fed that the enemy team can't even like fathom going up against you and you just walk all over them, then your damage and your presence and your effectiveness is situational for the most part. Darius is about finding those situations or finding those key mistakes, finding those openings and really, really just cracking them open by yourself. He's a very opportunistic champion. All right. So some people say that top lane is like an island. What do you think about that? I wouldn't say that top lane is an island per se. It used to be, but now it's like the game is so fast paced and like, you know, roamy right now that there is no quote unquote lonely role. You know, top lane used to be the role where it's like, you know, if you're... <laughs> edgy and depressed and you just want to be on yourself you basically go top lane or jungle you can't really do that anymore because you know you just get people ganking and roaming all the time and like to actually survive in diamond you pretty much have to be aware of the map rotations etc but aside from that i kind of dislike the whole mentality that top lane is an island right Pretty much every top laner has this fantasy of like, you know, you're you're side lane, you're split pushing, and they send like three, four people against you and you kill them all, right? But like that's kind of like a byproduct of a top laner thinking that he's alone and that he's in an island, when that's not the case at all, right? When I'm trying to teach people Darius or like how to effectively play Darius, I have to not just give them new information, but I have to break down their old information that's just wrong and bad. So it's like a lot of these players actually value 1v1s way too much. 1v1s don't matter beyond the laning phase for most champions. It's like, for like 99% of situations, right? Let's say there's that one rare case where it's like the team comps are so messed up that you have to split push. Like your team cannot win a team fight in any circumstance. That's the only situation where I would recommend split pushing. But aside from that, you, for the most part, want to stay with your team and play with your team, right? And I'm not saying you should just perm a group and just, you know, lose XP and gold. That's, that's horrible. But, like, you should be trying to play to, like, go top, collect two, three waves, and then group with your team to, like, fight, basically. Not the other way around of just, like, you know, you group permanently and then 
for 10 minutes, if nothing happens, then you go farm, you know, your farm should be your number one priority. And then you should go play with your team. Cause like, what's better? You kill one person or you killing three or four people. And post lading phase is Darius's most powerful point because there's this very short window of like five or five to seven minutes where it's nobody really does enough damage to one shot you. So if you get into a team fight within this window, which is like, it's basically past the laning phase, right? From level 11 to level 13, I guess. If you can get into a fight within this window, you'll very, very likely just carry it, right? And if you can get two, three kills from this, you'll just snowball out of control. So it's, it's this very, very critical point of the game. And players just ruin it so often because they think there's some sort of solo carry who's off on some mission to split push. That's not the case. Top lane is not an island. It's a team game with your team. Okay. Let's talk about runes and summoner spells. Summoner spells, first off, go flash ghost. Flash ghost, flash ghost, flash ghost. If I ever see a Darius player taking Ignite, I'm just going to disown them. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, look, I've tried Ignite a few times myself on Darius. And any killing you've gotten with Ignite is skill-less and free, right? Ignite takes no effort to get kills with. And the disadvantage of Ignite is that if you don't walk out of lane with five kills, you're basically screwing yourself up because Ghost lets you do things in teamfights, right? Ghost lets you just stomp teamfights and not be kiteable. And that's like one of Darius's fundamental problems in higher elos, getting kited in high diamond or like low master above. It's like players very well know what your range is and you really can't do anything without flash ghost. So it's a very important thing to just have flash ghost. Teleport is a different sort of issue in my opinion. Though teleport isn't Darius's full power, it lets you impact the map a bit more. So it's like, I guess if you're inexperienced with Darius, you can't take teleport. But Ghost is such a powerful summoner spell that not taking it is putting yourself in a disadvantage. Okay, so let's just talk about the rune setup for a moment. So for the runes, in my opinion, Conquer is the go-to like 99% of the time, right? The only other keystone that's viable is Phase Rush. I mean, like all the other runes are garbage, right? Garbage, don't work, hyper-specific, get them out of their face. And Phase Rush is only good against... Nasus, Trindamir, and maybe Kale. Right? One of these three champions. And in every single one of these champions, you you can still fight them with Conqueror. You can still beat a Kale with Conqueror. You can still beat Nasus with Conqueror. You can still beat like a Trindamir. And especially Trindamir, because like you need all the damage you can get, considering how you're not gonna be able to use your ultimate against them. But yeah. When it comes to the like the other secondary runes, it's for the precision tree, it's triumph. Then it's Alacrity if you want to be more aggressive in lane. Tenacity if you want to be more useful in teamfights. And then it's Last Stand because, you know, the cutdown makes no sense since we built HP. And <laughs> Coup de Gras is, like, completely retarded because we have a true damage to execute. We don't need the extra damage. And for those of you who weren't aware, the things that increase damage by percent, like Press the Attack, Coup de Gras, none of these things apply to true damage. True damage cannot be increased or decreased. It just it just works, right? For the secondary tree, it's the choice between resolve and sorcery. So for sorcery, you have to have to go Nimbus Cloak, right? And it's like your choice whether you want to go celerity or transcendence. I personally like transcendence because it's like Nimbus, Transcendence, and then Conquer gives me this full team fight setup where I'm just like I'm trying to survive the lane and not int. 
But the second the team finds roll around, I'm like a monster, right? Because this setup is like the triumph, the Sterax, the Stridebreaker. This whole setup is just amazing for just getting one kill in a team fight and boom, kill, 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 kill. It's just being an unstoppable force of just destruction in team fights with Flash Ghost, right? Nimbus Cloak is very, very powerful. In team fights, it's very, very good at letting you make outplay plays and just killing people out of nowhere. So it's a very, very powerful setup for team fights. If you want to set up more for laning, then Resolve, I would argue, is better. Because, like, at the end of the day, Darius is a static champion. More stats aren't going to hurt. It's preferable for, quote-unquote, worse Darius players. And it's also preferable if you know that there won't be a big skill difference between you and the enemy, right? So if you're a higher elo Darius player, and you know that there's not going to be too much of a skill difference between you and the enemy. Like, you're not smurfing, right? And with Resolve, you can get, like, you hear Bone Plating. Bone Plating really helps against lanes like Renekton, Riven, Jax. It's a lifesaver, right? You can go Second Wind into every single range matchup. It's amazing. Conditioning into free tank matchups that just basically lose to you by default. And then you basically get, like, 15 free armor and magic resist if you just calculate all the... If you can't go to flat and the percentage added, you get 15 free MR and armor. So it's very, very good if your lane is free. You can go like revitalize if you want to have even more shielding power. And we know that Darius has a lot of shield in his gameplay currently because of Sterex and Gargoyles. And Unflinching is. I don't really like Unflinching because it only gives 10% tenacity and slow resist at higher healths. But. That 10% is going to help you against these, some of these, like, messed up mages and CC ca characters no matter what, right? Like, Kennen, Cassiopeia, like, you need that tenacity. And, of course, if you're bringing the lane where it's, like, you're essentially determined to bash your enemies face in and then destroy the turret, then Demolish is excellent. And Demolish helps you snowball so much harder. Because have you ever run into a situation where, like, you shove a lane in, but you can't take the plate? Right? You just don't have the time. Because if you stand there and take the plate, the enemy gets back to lane, and then they take a plate. Demolish solve this. Where it's like, you go there, you stay 3 seconds, boom, proc the demolish, and then leave. That's one plate free, and you basically lose nothing from doing it, right? Demolish lets you have an extra 120 gold every kill. So it's an amazing global rune if you're thinking about snowballing, and then methodically becoming this big fed monster. Is there just... Nimbus Cloak just being like a, this unpredictable sort of crazy idiot who just happens to kill a whole team. So it's just a matter of playstyle. Are you more, do you have more faith in your mechanics? Do you want to like have more, way more output potential and carry potential? Or do you want to basically be more like, you know, more consistent? Cool. So let's talk about the early game a little bit. Going into the game, what's the first thing that you're thinking about? Well, the first thing I pay attention to is my enemy top laner, right? What champion there are, of course. I see what if they have Ignite or if they have Teleport. Because Ignite kind of changes lanes for a lot of laners, right? Ignite Wukong is one of the hardest lanes in the game. Teleport Wukong is manageable. Ignite Jax is, like, very, very hard. Teleport Jax is perfectly manageable. And you kind of get the idea. Ignite kind of counters Darius. Because Darius' playstyle means that you always win, but you also almost lose. And that's just the matter of having Ghost. Ghost is your BS button. Ghost lets you outplay people and, like, just choose with the fights way better. And Ignite is anti-BS. Ignite just stomps out all the outplay potential you could have had. So that's the first thing I look at. And the playstyle against Ignite opponents is this. Don't go for short trades. Give up the wave. 
wait till level three. And then when you have all of your like CC abilities, try to go for an all-in and make sure to land your Qs, your Es, and your Ws. So I mean, by landing your Ws, I mean like don't use it into like Jacks, Counter Strike, or something stupid like that. Then I try to think about the enemy mid lane and my mid lane. So what kind of mid lanes are we looking at? If it's a Talon or a Kiana or like a Katarina, something that roams, then I have to register that in my head and then, you know, anticipate it, right? If it's a farming like mid laner or like a totally mid laner that doesn't roam that much, it's just I'm a bit more comfortable, but I'm still going to keep my eyes on that map to make sure that they don't roam, right? Then I keep my eye on the jungler because a big part of a Darius's gameplay is the 2v1. Can I 2v1 this top laner and this jungler? If the answer is no, then I will probably like manipulate the wave in a way of just like try to shove lanes fast or try to build up big slopish waves that they don't gank. Things like this to ward off ganks. But if I know I can 2v1 them, then I'll play in a way where I'm kind of gankable, but also in a way where I can just, you know, predict the gank. I mean, you can predict the enemy as Darius. You can do a lot because with predictions, you can land your Qs way easier. You can land your E's way easier and you can make plays with your flash way easier. So like then I consider that. I also try to consider, I'm not a jungle player, but I try to like see what kind of paths the junglers can take to gank me, right? Say it's like an Olaf. What An Olaf can basically just do a lane gank through the bush, or you can just walk to me from river. So if I'm against an Olaf, I might go into, if I'm like on the top side of the map, I don't know what like blue side, purple side is, but if I'm like on the top right side of the map, right, spawn there, then I might go into the enemy's jungle and then steal his blast cone. Because Olaf with that blast cone is, <laughs> you basically cripple him. If I'm against the Zac, then I kind of know how big his jump is. So I kind of like stay away from those key locations Zac players like to jump from. Like the spot with a blast cone that I mentioned before, a Zac player can stand on the very like edge of that area and kind of jump to like half the lane. That's like an example of something you gotta watch out for. Or it's like a Rek'Sai can burrow behind you, right? Things like these that you kind of have to just watch out for. And it's basically just possible through champion knowledge. Then look at the bot lane. Can my bot lane roam? And can the enemy bot lane roam? Am I playing against the Pike? Am I playing against the Bard? Am I playing against an Alistar or something that roams a lot? Then I have to consider that into my playstyle as well. If I see that they're not on the map, should I be worried or should I just keep going with business as usual? And for the most part, as a macro like suggestion, it's better to be safe than sorry. If you feel like you're about to get ganked, then just back off. Don't gamble the lane and just go for risky things anyway. Just stay in XP range. Because if if you give them one kill in a gank, they're gonna come again and again and again and again. Getting camped. You can't stop getting camped after the second or third gank. You can only stop a camp after the first gank. If you play in a way where you just are ungankable, you play safely when the jungler is there, right? You don't go for stupid things. You're very, very, very patient. The, the enemy jungler were kind of like, it's kind of like training a dog. The enemy jungler in his mind is like, when I come top lane, I get nothing. So they're just going to leave and they're not going to come again. And if they come again, you do the same thing and they won't even come again completely. So it's all about like training the enemy team to not, you know, mess with you. And if you do die, then you're basically telling the enemy, hey, I'm a source of gold. Come kill me. That's like kind of the issue with getting camped as a top laner. You're not supposed to be able to stop the camp after the third or second gank. You have to kind of match it and kind of avoid the first gank. 
that's the only point in time where we can avoid getting kanked as a top laner. Okay. Let's say that does happen. Let's say you do end up getting camped. How do you end up playing around that? When you end up getting camped, it's kind of like a sad reality of things, but it's just understanding that you're probably not going to carry this match, right? In solo queue, this is kind of sad because you can't carry the team and your team has to carry, but that's just the simple truth of things, right? The best you can do while getting camped is lose as little as possible. What do I mean by this, right? Say you're under your turret, you have 200 HP because you took a stupid trade, and you know you're out to get basically dove, right? Most players sit under the turret and try to risk defending against a dive, and they always dive. But the smart thing to do is to get out of there, go back, or just walk out of there, and just, just don't give them the kill. Normally, in League, it's a matter of do I lose things or do I win things? Not the case here. Here, it's a case of do I lose, do I lose this amount or do I lose even more? It's all a matter of regulating how many resources you give up to the enemy, right? Regulating how much gold you give up, how much XP you give them. You just, when the jungler is there, you can't do anything about them. And this is assuming you cannot 2v1. If you can 2v1, just kill them. But if you can't 2v1 reliably, then it's better to give up things rather than keep contesting things that you don't have the power to defend. And if you don't feed your enemy top laner, you're going to be behind in a CS and experience, but you'll still be useful. That's the key thing here, right? Most players are like, oh, I got camped and now I'm useless. But it's not that you got camped that you're useless. You get camped and you just kept dying and dying and dying and dying. And that's when you're useless, right? Though it is annoying. The dying is the issue, not the getting camped. So just like, sometimes it's awkward, like they're camping your lane. You know how it's, sometimes you get ganked and killed before you get to your first turret? Just don't go to your first turret. Just stay there, lose your CS, whatever. It is what it is. If it helps, get a blue ward and just ward the bushes and to, to make sure that they're not there. But like, just give things up, man. There's nothing else you can do, right? If you want to be useful, give things up and just take what they give you, right? A big part about CSing is not getting a high CS score. It's getting all the CS that you can possibly get. The reason why CSing is such an important skill to master early on is that in higher ELOs, you don't always get the opportunity to CS. You can't just look at keep score in high ELO and just make judgments off of it. Because in higher ELOs, people deny CS way more effectively. People don't let you CS way more effectively. So if you're up against a proper range top laner, you're basically going to get 50 or 40% of the CS that you can normally get. Which is shocking, but it's like the truth of things. So if you're very good at CSing, you're basically able to get that 50% that you're still able to get. You can get all of that. Imagine you're bad at CSing, and you miss like half of that too. You know, that's, that's, that's a tragedy. You can't do that. You got to CS better. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the matchups. What are some of the tougher matchups for Darius? The tougher matchups for Darius all pretty much go the same way. We're talking like champions that beat you in trades <clears throat> who you can't really walk up against. So Wukong, right? Ignite Jax, Ignite Fiora, Ignite Renekton, I guess, if you haven't beaten them already. Range top laners for the most part, right? So the kind of algorithm that I have when you have to play against these champions is this. Think of your health as a resource, right? So your health is worth gold. Try to regulate how much health you lose. My kind of guideline is that if you go for a CS, you can maximum take like 80 damage for that CS. Maximum. If you take any more, then it was not worth it. And I'm not saying you can go for 4 CS and lose like 320 health. No. 
every instance where you go for any number of CS, if you lose 100 or more, then it was not worth it. And this basically amounts to one auto attack or one ability, right? If you get chunked with a whole combo, then it was certainly not worth it. So you have to not lose your HP when going for these minions. This is what I meant by get the CS that you can get. It's like against a ranged top laner or against a top laner that you don't win trades against, you can only get some CS. So it's just about like about being a bit more patient and just waiting. Because when you have high health, and they have high health, same amount of health, and you do an all-in, you will win the all-in. Provided you land your Qs, your Es, and you don't mess up, you will win the all-in. At that point, it's just about making sure like you have high enough HP so that when you do get the chance for this all-in, you actually win. What's better to, like, if you, you pull a vein, what's better? Your full HP or your half HP, right? Of course, having full HP. So just standing back, don't eat the poke. Take the CS that you can get without getting poked. And when the time is right, pull them in and kill them. Awesome. So earlier on, you talked about getting ganked by the enemy jungler, but I'm wondering, how do you play with your ally jungler? Okay. For the most part, you kind of have to work with your jungler in a way where you understand what they're capable of. A lot of issues that I can find is that, you know, oh, I just made the sick play. Where was the follow-up? But it's like, the follow-up just doesn't spawn out of the air. You have to make sure that when you're making plays, your team is capable of following up. Let's say you're fighting a top lane, and you're about to get ganked, but your jungler is there doing crunks, for example, right? Maybe it's a good idea to wait until your jungler finishes Krugs and then go for the play, right? You kind of have to understand like, the position of your jungler here, right? You can't just blindly make plays or blindly do things without being aware of like your surroundings. So you got to look at your map, see where your jungler is, and say, okay, can this guy help me? Will this guy help me? Is my wave in the position where this guy can help me? Etc. 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 Let's say you're like taking up a lot of poke from a Cassia top lane, but you have a jungler that's just finished his crux and it's right there. Instead of just taking, like, standing and taking poke for no reason, instead of just doing something stupid, wait for him to get there and then go for an all-in, take a pull RWQ, take a trade, and then back up so that your jungler can go in and finish the job. And it's just not, not just for junglers, it's like, if you have a bard support, if you have like a mid laner talent, you have to understand what your team's capable of, what they can do, if they have the resources to fight, and then fight around them. Because it's a team game, it's not just 1v1s, it's all about integrating yourself into this random group of people who you've never met before. To go back on the point of me communicating with my jungler specifically, I for the most part kind of ping suggest things for him. I kind of rely on my teammates in Soloki, like I, I, I kind of I trust them. I trust them to do things that are simple to do that I expect them to do. So I just ping suggestions to them like, hey, I can't help you contest this red buff because I don't have prior against this lane and such and such things like that. By the way, it's very, very important to tell your jungler if you have prior or not. If they're smart, they'll understand that you won't be able to help out with river fights and etc. when you have a bad matchup. But yeah, anyway. So it's like, it's trying to communicate clearly what you can do, what you can't do, and understanding what they can do and what they can't do, and trying to, you know, combo these things, understanding, like, who you kill, who you can't kill, etc., etc., etc. And this takes a lot of time to, you know, learn and, you know. Okay. Um... Let's say, for example, that in lane, everything goes perfectly. You're winning your lane, you have multiple kills. How do you push your advantage? First things first, get the turret. That's the first thing you can do. You have to try to get your turret as much as possible. And it's like, this is where Demolish helps, by the way. Just taking the enemy turret. 
But let's just say that the enemy doesn't take your turret. Then what you try to do is get the Herald with your jungler. Because if you have priority top lane, you have priority over the whole top side of the map. So you can get your jungler there, get the Herald, and then use that to knock the turret down, right? Say, like, you don't have Herald. The enemy team just stole Herald or, you know, your jungler used it somewhere else. Whatever. Then you try to shove your lane. And then you try to go for a play in mid lane or, like, go for an invade play with your jungler. And try to, like, impact fights around the top side of the map. Because if you're winning lane, you are the most powerful character on the whole map. And not abusing that is just a very, very big mistake. You have to abuse that. You have to be there for fights. You have to kill the enemy team as much as possible. And open these, like, places for your team to breathe. So just get these fights and then go for objectives. Get the fights and go for objectives. So one very, very big thing with Darius is impacting the bot lane. Now, I know, like, people don't really consider this all that much, but <laughs> sometimes if your bot lane is coin flipping enough, you will solo lose the game off of them. So what I can suggest is this. So you've left the lane, and the enemy has crashed a big wave into you. You don't just shove. You slow push the wave. You slow push, and, like, <clears throat> slow pushing is basically just last hitting, right? Just last hit. Don't even queue the wave. Don't even attack the wave. Don't even RW. Just like last hit, last hit, last hit, last hit, right? And eventually, you'll get a, such a massive wave onto the enemy turret that the enemy turret has to sit there and slowly kill them all. And what this does is this gives you the opportunity to roam, right? And roaming to bot lane is typically a very hard thing to do for Darius because it takes a lot of time. It takes a long time to go there and then come back to your own lane. So you need to go for this kind of like slow push. This is assuming your enemy turret's still up. If it's down, just go bot lane. You don't need to do any of this wave control bullshit. But it's like, if it's still up, then you gotta slow push, occupy your enemy top laner, go back, and then run straight bot, use your ghost or flash to kill them. And at that point, getting two kills bot lane is so powerful because you get access to the enemy bot lane turret, the drake. And if your bot lane is like winning, and they've gone free from the curse of just being held up by the enemy bot lane, then, like, they can actually go around the map and then start being, like... Because, like, your bot lane is basically your manpower, right? You kind of need them there to do any sort of assault on anything. So freeing up your bot lane and helping them out a bit is very, very good for taking objectives, because, like, playing around an AD carry and just letting them just hit that, like, Baron, that dragon, the, the, the turret, is a very good way of just, just quickly just ending the game. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about items. What's the build path for Darius? If it's like an easy lane or if you have one year lane, you mostly just want to go for your strike breaker. But what I advise is always going for more defensive purchases first. Say you're up against a Jax lane. You're just going to go for Plated Steel Camps first because you need that item versus Jax. Fiora, Bramble, Plated Steel Camps, you know. Renekton, Plated Steel Caps, Jace, Plated Steel Caps. If it's a Cassio, you want to go Spirit Visage or the Negatron Cloak. If it's Kennen, you can go Murked Poots, Murk Treads for the CC, right? Teemo, um, Spectre's Cowl. It's like every single champion, every single one of these hard matchups has their own counter item that you build to make the lane easier for you. And most of the time, this counter item isn't damage. It's just healthy stats. It's just tanky stats. So that's the first thing I suggest getting because... It's like, the first thing you gotta ensure is there is, is that you don't die, but it's like you're tanky enough to basically not get shit on. That's the first thing you gotta ensure is there is, in my opinion. Basically with Darius, it's like, 
you kind of have to make sure that every single one of the items you're going to purchase needs some sort of tank items, whether it's health or resistances, because pure damage is horrible on Darius. Pure damage is horrible. Some tanking is, but some damage is great. But pure damage is bad, because with Darius, it's all about optimizing our gameplay at Noxium Might. So when we are in our Noxium Might, what do we need? Tankiness. We need attack speed to quickly attack. We need some damage, because if you're building full tank with no AD, you can never one-shot people. You need some damage. Like What I meant is like Strybreaker, for example, is a combination of damage, attack speed, cooldown reduction, which is all amazing for Noxium Might. But let's say Infinity Edge. Like, what are you going to do with Infinity Edge and Noxium Might? Nothing, right? Because it's just damage. So you kind of have to get a bit of damage and then a lot of buffer stats, right? HP, armor, MR, a tiny bit of attack speed. It's so important. It's like all these kinds of things that Darius needs and loves. I guess the formula for Darius build is Stratbreaker, Sterax, then one item, that's what I call the flex slot. And you can put in this like, a damage item like Cleaver, Kempunk Chainsword. It's it's what you build to adapt to the enemy. So if they have full tanks, Cleaver, if they have healers, Kempunk Chainsword, if they have Mordekaiser or Malzahar and you're the carry, a Silver Marie Dawn. If you're fed and they have a more AD centric team, then Death Stance. It's what you build to counter the enemy team, basically. You can also build a tank item instead of this. If you don't need to counter anything, just go for the tank item. Like Gargoyle Stoneplate Third is a very, very powerful option if the game is hard. Force of Nature, if you've bought a Negatron Cloak in the lane. Maybe Spear of Visage, if you want to finish that from the lane. Actually, no. Spear of Visage is only good in combination with Gargoyles. Don't play. Never alone. Okay. So, um, Branduins, if they have a Fediaso, a Fedion, or like a Fed Tristano or some, some shit like that. This is our flex slot, right? So, it's our... Let's recap. Strybreaker, Sterax, flex slot, and then two tank items. And these two tank items are just, just tank items. Buy whatever fits for the game. Never go out of this formula. Because this formula is golden. It works into every game. And it's like, there are very little circumstances where I would suggest like going for some other sort of build path. So yeah. And now, now of course, like you're going to build components for some of the later items as a counter item. You get, for example, Negatron Cloak, right? You're not going to build this into Force of Nature, you know, first or second. You're going to keep it until you get it. You can build it on your fourth or your third, whatever. So, like, that's the overall structure for full items, basically, right? Smaller items are just, you buy them when you need them, but you sit on them until you can upgrade them. So, yeah. Okay. Would you ever change your Mythic, or is it always Stridebreaker? <clears throat> I would... <sighs> always Stridebreaker, to be honest. Like, that's, that's for me, because, like, I think Gore Drinker is a very stat-checky sort of low-skill Mythic, in my opinion. By low-skill, I don't mean, like, you're bad when you use it. It's good against worst players in my opinion because it's like gold drinker basically works in your melee range when is the last time you've had two three people in your melee range in a team fight i mean i mean i guess you could have some instances of that if they're in like a low enough elo but in higher elos people stay away from darius's melee range like people just don't stay near you so for most higher elo players you know strybreaker is like the obvious choice for darius now I've seen some higher elo players take Gold Drinker, but that's because there's like two kinds of playstyles for Darius, right? There's the whole sick Ghost Flash sort of Strybreaker outplay Darius players, and then the Darius players who just build stats on him. 
And with these kind of stat checky Darius players, then Gordrinker is better. Because Gordrinker gives like way better stats. It just has way less outplay and playmaking potential. Whereas <clears throat> Strybreaker has way better playmaking potential, right? It can get kills that didn't exist before. It can make plays that couldn't have been made before. It's just amazing. So yeah. Awesome. Let's talk about the mid game for a bit. Let's say the first turret is down. How do you kind of transition into the mid game? Transitioning to the mid game is just, it's the point where you start roaming, right? Transitioning into the mid game is when it's worth it more to shove the lane and group with your team than to just stay in your lane and to mess with one person. And it's like a thing that like, a lot of people are so fixated on killing the enemy top laner. I don't really understand this at all. It's like, yeah, I guess it's fun to kill the enemy top laner 50 times, but it's like, just kill his team, not him. This is very important when you're up against matchups where you won't be able to kill your enemy top laner. Let's say you're up against Mordekaiser. He's a kind of a like a winnable lane for the most part, but at some point, he's going to outscale you in his ultimate. Darius players just keep fighting him in his ultimate. Like, no, you're wrong. Don't fight him. Kill his team. Because Mordekaiser is so slow and immobile that with Flash Ghost, you're going to be able to do 10 times more than him. So let's say he ults you. Get five stacks off of him. QSS. Ghost Flash. Kill every single one of his teammates. That's it. You don't need to, like, prove that you're a man or whatever by killing this one guy 10 times. Nobody cares. Just kill his team, win the game, that's it. Okay. So during this phase, how do you prioritize between fighting and farming? Fighting always takes priority. If there's a dragon or a baron up, then just go, right? Your, your minion wave can wait. Because if it's a fight that will determine the game, and if you're not there, your team would lose, then just go and help your team out. But doing that more than one or twice a game will basically make you weak. What you have to do is like, Darius is like hungry for solo XP, right? And solo gold, of course. So you have to take one or two waves every time you go for one of these, every time you group up with your enemy, your, your teammates. So take one, two waves and then group up, one, two waves and then group up, right? Sometimes, like I said, if it's important, you want to group up without taking those waves, but that's only in an emergency cases. And kind of telling when to do what, it just comes down to macro, baby. It's all about like understanding what's important, understanding how starts fight, and understanding how fast you can get there to help them. Now, let's say that you're split pushing, and God forbid you are split pushing, because I dislike split pushing on Darius as a mentality. You're supposed to 1v1, no, you're supposed to go against the enemy team, not just 1v1. But let's say you're split pushing, right? You should try to understand that if your team, they all die, right? And your enemy, the enemy is taking down like an inhib, or like, they, not the inhib, I guess that's a bit risky, but the enemy is taking down a turret, then there's no point in roaming there. You going back is not going to change anything. So sometimes it's better to just stay and take one more wave or stay and take the tower instead of just instantly going back. This is in some circumstances where it's like the mistake of not grouping with your team is already made and you might as well just take the next wave and then deter it. Just might as well get something for it instead of just losing everything, right? So, yeah. Okay. So, in the late game, when you're grouped up, how do you approach team fights? Okay. Before you approach a team fight, you have to understand what your goals are. Just set up goals for yourself. Goal number one is to get your passive. How do we get our passive? We can either stack it up one to five, or we can just go for a low HP enemy. So, considering this, you can like model your playstyle around these two goals, right? The most 
obvious thing you can do if you have no summoner spells is just stay with your team and do a front to back. And doing this, it's it's like the worst way to play team fights because you just get locked down in one shot. So ideally, you want to pick a person on the enemy team who's separated from his team and just try to get five stacks on them. Let's say an enemy assassin went in on your ADC, or like the enemy bruiser is trying to make plays against your team, is trying to flank you. Get five stacks on those persons, and then flash goes into the enemy team or kill them. Or if you don't have flash ghost, just kill whoever's in your reach and move with your team. If you have flash ghost, a better thing to do is to go for a flank. Let's say your team already has a frontliner, then maybe it's better to get red sweeper and go for like a path that your enemy won't expect that gives you a direct access to the enemy backline. And this basically lets you just one-shot their carry or their support, and then use that to just kill everyone. Because with Stridebreaker and Sterax in the current season, you have so much AD, right, so much more than last seasons, that you can basically just one-shot people with like our normal combo. But a flank is... It's better to have a flank with your sums, but even if you don't have your sums, a flank is a very reasonable thing to do. Awesome. So in these team fights, what do you need your teammates to do for you to be the most effective? I need them to just do what they're supposed to do. I need the back line to do damage and to kite, right? I need the front line to come in with me and to, do, to CC the enemy. I basically need them to back me up when I make plays in a team fight. And to, under to know that they can actually back me up, I have to basically play near them, right? Let's say you're in a team fight and the enemies focus you. You ghost and you run towards your team, right? So if the enemy starts chasing you, then your team can actually go in on them and actually help you. I see this a lot, whereas there's players like... They get focused down, and they run away from their team. And then these guys blame their team for not helping. How could they help you? You're running away from them. So it's always a great idea to be aware of the map around you, right? Aware of where everyone is, and just go towards your team and, like, work around them. Instead of just being selfish and solo and just dying on your own for no reason. All right. Last question about the late game. How do you end the game? Late game, you can't end the game anymore. Like, late game, the game is over for Darius. You just have to, like, it's just up to your team now because you get horribly outscaled. But the way you end the game is basically go for Baron and then push the enemy team down. Get, get a pick, go for Baron, and then siege. And it's like, sieging is a complex topic on its own, but it's like, can the enemy team like engage onto your team? Yes, then kind of stay with your team and let your ADC kill the turret over a long period of time. No, then you... Type in chat 4-1, make your team push the mid lane, and you push your side lane, right? Try to hit them on both sides at once. So that if one of these assaults don't work, you can just go to the other one and take that turret down. And it's all about just getting that one opening. Once you get that one opening, the whole structure just crumbles down. You can go for the other openings, the other turrets, and then slowly, slowly, slowly take all the turrets, stack up your minions, and go for the end. And this is assuming that the enemy team just doesn't int into you and die. Most teams just go in on you and die. They just want to end fights and like make a stupid place so it's like you get these picks and you push the enemy team down and you kill them but keep in mind you're not a powerful force in late game you're a great one we wonder but you're a horrible team fighter because you're just not tanky enough to survive some of these 80 carries no one is some of these majors so it's like it's just about working with your team in late game okay let's switch gears a little bit um, what would you say is the main thing preventing people from actually getting better at the game? Okay, look. Getting better at the game takes time, right? Time and effort. But, like, if you're a person who has time to improve, 
and you're not just playing this game for fun or like consecration or money, you have time to improve. Then the for those people, it's like the one big sort of mentality error that I find is like fighting back against the game, basically. It's like when you're talking to some people and they legitimately think that they're hard stuck because I don't know, a call is broken or something like that. I think that's absolutely stupid. Because in my opinion, it's like whenever you start blaming the game instead of yourself for being hard stuck, that's when you truly get hard stuck. My way of seeing it is like, there's only one common factor between every single one of your games. You. You're the problem. So fix yourself. So in my climb as like a player, I've gotten into this cycle, right? So I play the game, I get to new rank, and then I get an ego. And as long as I have this ego, I'm just hard stuck. And this happens at Plat 4, Diamond 4, then Diamond 2. You have to kind of realize that in the grand scheme of things, even though you got that new rank, you're still a horrible player and you got a lot to improve, right? So it's like improving at League is just this, you know, inner journey about just trying to find the mistakes and stomping them out one by one by one. It's such a, like, a difficult and hard thing to do. Improving at League is genuinely, like, it takes time. And most people can't do that, so you just blame superficial things that don't matter. But I guess... That's like the one big mentality error that I find very, very often in people. It's it's not the game's fault, man. I mean, the game sucks. I understand. But it's like, it's you that's the problem, not the game. So get better. Okay. So how do you improve? I think how you improve... Let's say we're past the mental point. What you do is try to find what the fundamental things are in the game, right? CSing, map awareness, macro understanding of champions, understanding of abilities, etc, 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 etc. And instead of searching how do I improve at the game, you search how do I improve at wave control. It's all about asking the right questions, because asking the correct question is a skill. Not, not a lot of people ask the right questions. People come into a chat asking the wrong questions all the time. You know, me answering that isn't going to help you. You have to formulate better questions so that the answers actually help you, right? And this is why I've made such a detailed guide. Because my, my guide isn't you read it once before your game and then you finish with it. My guide is like a companion to you. It's like you have it next to you. So that if you have any question in your path as a player when you're improving, you go to that guide and it's got your back 99 times 700. Right? So that's why I made the guide as a very specific resource for Darius. So I guess the tip I can give overall is to understand exactly what you're trying to improve at and look for resources exclusively to improve at that one specific thing. Awesome. All right, final question. What's the best Darius skin? <laughs> Default. <laughs> I, okay, I don't really, like, at some point, I just stopped caring about skins. The only thing that I care about is the color, right? And my favorite color is red. So I basically need a red skin that I can focus on the game on instead of just being distracted by the skin. And the only one that's like that is basically default Darius, or maybe Academy, actually. So my favorite skin, gameplay-wise, playing-wise, is default Darius. But if I had to analyze a skin for being a skin, it's easily God King and then High Noon. And then after that, it's Wood King, Bioforge, they're kind of the same. Wood King's a bit better than Bioforge because the axe is, you know, smooth. Then it's Dunk Master. I really dislike Dunk Master, to be honest. And then, you know, the fucking Lord Darius is the worst one, basically. As a tip I can give, if you're a beginner Darius player, a very good skin to practice Darius on is Wood King. 
right? If you're newer, because Warking has probably some of the best auto attacks of all Darius skins. And that's just because of the axe. If you look at the axes of all the other Darius skins, they just have these awkward shapes. But the Woking Darius axe is nice and curved and smooth. So it's very, very nice to train your auto attacks. And by auto attacks, I mean like canceling the animation of your auto attacks, you know, just things like that. So if you had to have a skin to train Darius on, then go Woking. If I had to put a skin into the game for Darius, I would have to have to make it Bloodwind Darius. I just love that fucking... Do you know what an Oni is? Sort of like a Japanese demon thing. Like that, but Darius. So I would fucking love that shit. And it better be red. <laughs> awesome. Roku, thank you so much for being on this podcast. This has been amazing. Uh, where can people find out more about you? For people who want to find out more about me, they can probably catch me on my... I'm called Roku, but my official tag for my online sort of places is Roku TV, and it's R-H-O-K-U TV. And that's like the name of my Twitch account, my YouTube account, my Twitter. I post Darius videos often, like a few times a week, so go check them out. Like my Darius guide specifically, I'm quite proud of them. Like I explain things in very high detail instead of just making a TLDR. So if you're a person who likes in-depth explanations and like to understand everything, then my guides are perfect for you. And of course, my Darius Guide on Mobile Fire, it's, I call it a strength is absolute, but it's honestly, just, if you just write Darius Guide in Google, it's one of the first things that pops up. I'm currently updating it for season 11. That's a pain, if you can imagine <laughs> having to update every single bloody item since Sanity, but we're working on it. So yeah, that's where people can find me. I also tweet, but <laughs> my Twitter is just exclusively for shit posts and Darius memes that I make when I am drunk, basically. <laughs> All right. And that concludes this episode of Challenger Insights. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter or join the Discord. The links for both of these will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider sending it to someone who you think would be interested in it as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you.